Hello, and welcome to Alive or Just Blethering, a podcast where two 30-somethings discuss the music we found and loved growing up. My name is Chris Lavender, and with me is my fellow host, Keith McLeod. Today on Alive or Just Blethering, I'll be taking us through White Pony by Deftones. Hey man, how are we doing? Good evening. What is going on with the weather in May, by the way? I don't know. It's cold as shit. I think it's about three degrees here in, uh, in sunny Bradford. It's not much better up in Edinburgh, I'll be absolutely honest. Um, there might, if anyone can hear, there might be the odd sound of a rain on the window uh, mm-hmm. it's, and a hail in May. Yep, yep. <clears throat> I'm ready but for anyway. summer, man. Oh my God, <laughs> my on. voice. What is going on here? <coughs> Excuse oh. me. You there? You there? I am. I am here. Um, yeah, what's 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 new? How's your week been? What's going down? Well, I've been spending a lot of my week li- listening to White Pony, the 20th anniversary edition, actually. Uh, yeah, I've been doing I've been, a bit of that. I've been having fun with it. I understand you're not the biggest fan of Deftones, and I think that's going to make for a very interesting conversation. Yes. We, uh, we obviously spoke at the end of um, last week's episode. You told everyone we were going to listen to White Pony, I was less than infused. Infused? Infused. I think I called them cunt tones or something like that. You may or have. Fuck. You may, yeah, and you might have called it shite pony. Which, uh, shite, shite pony by cunt tones or, or yeah. something like that. So funny. So brave. I get it. No, I get it. I am. I, over the years, I have come to know that I am one of the very few people in the world that apparently do not like Deftones. I don't get it personally. Like, if, uh, <laughs> why am I the only person that doesn't like them? Um, and I've asked, I've asked myself that with this album, listening back on it. Um, you know, what what am I not getting? What what am I doing wrong here? What do I not enjoy about this? Um, but I'm sure we'll, we'll we'll get into it as you take us through your journey of White Pony. Sure. So a bit of background on Deftones. They're a five piece alternative metal band formed in Sacramento in 1988. Their first wow. album, uh, yeah, yeah, they, they slogged at it. Uh, they went through some lineup changes. By 93, they pretty much settled on a four-piece minus Frank. Um, 1995, they released their debut album, Adrenaline, through Maverick Records, which was the record label owned and run by Madonna. Wow. Uh in 1997, they released their follow-up, Around the Fur, a fantastic album, actually reached chart positions with some singles as well. It's got two of their, probably their most famous songs, or um, should we say on from the the rock dance floors of our day. I mean, fantastic is a bit strong, but, you know, I, I, see, I see the tones we're going to be going through here, so. Well, by 2000, they released their their third album, White Pony. Uh, which, to me, is my favourite Deftones album. Uh, They have released many, many more since, but it's also the first to feature Frank Delgado. So Deftones, you've got five people in there uh, that were on White Pony, Steph Carpenter, Chi Cheng, rest in peace, Abe Cunningham, Frank Delgado, and vocalist Chino Moreno. Who well from from rattling that off, you've just answered my question. Presumably, Frank is the DJ sample guy. He is the DJ sample guy, and it is because of that DJ sample guy that they got probably 
rightfully or wrongly lumped in with the new metal fad that was the thing in the year 2000, which is probably why we, well, I started listening to them because they were in that sphere of influence. Yeah, they've never been, they've never been very pro-new metal in the same sense that Meshuggah have never been pro-gent, but... Yeah, yeah. the only, the only track they really have, which we're going to talk about later on, I hope, is, is Back to School. That, that's a new metal song. There is no denying that that is, that, that ticks a lot of new metal boxes. Yeah, you can't, you kind of can't deny it that that is a very new metal song. It's still got that deft tonesy sort of sound that obviously that's it's, it's Steve Carpenter's guitar tone it's still the, the sort of the big chords you know it's not it's it's it's, it's still they're, they're sort of big sweeping sound but at the same time there's a DJ they are rapping on it they are totally totally playing the new metal game at the time so yeah it's kind of one of their biggest songs it's, it's easy to see how they're lumped in with 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 new metal not that we're exclusively a new metal podcast but yeah, we also we started listening to metal around about that time, so it's where we started. Yeah, it's where we started, isn't it? So I think it's only fair to to really say what what we were into at the time. Um, but the album itself features some of the biggest names in in hard rock at the time. You've got Maynard James Keenan in one of the songs. You've got an uncredited performance on the song "RX Queen" by Scott Wheeland. Again, rest in peace from Stone Temple Pilots. Uh, there's oh. a, a backing vocal as well from a lady called Rodline Jetsick, and she was a low-budget horror producer and writer and actress. And yeah, these are the things that you discover when you research an album on Wikipedia. Is this <laughs> um, is is this the, the the lady that screams on Knife Party? Is it Knife Party? I believe it was Knife Party, and. Yeah, it'd be knife party. It's the the ending part. the The album was produced by a very, very well respected producer, Terry Date. And I isn't would challenge he, you. Isn't Terry Date the really sleazy photographer? No, no, okay. I know who you mean, but no. Right. Uh, but I would I would challenge you to find an album that you've not heard with with Terry Date on. He has engineered and mixed albums throughout your listening life. And I have a a list of artists here. Now, it starts from the hard rock metal scene in the 80s through the early noughties, everywhere. He's got credits on albums by Dream Theater, Soundgarden, Pantera, Incubus, Limp Bizkit. And then he would later get involved with Unearth. Bring Me the Horizon, Sempaternal. Oh, God. And one of your favourite albums of all time, Keith. No, I can't tell if you've been sarcastic or not. But Not even not even close. No, no. He he is the producer f- on Funeral for a Friend's Hours. Wow. Okay. Wow, some really mixed emotions there. Yeah. But he also he also did the, the latest Deftones album as well, Ohms. So he's 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 done the likes of Deftones and and in my opinion, not great. Bring me the horizon, but then has also done Incubus and some some, some of my favourite faff. So sh- shit. <laughs> he's been he's been around. He's been around. Yeah, clearly a good producer. Because um, that's that's sort of one comment I do have that is positive about White Pony that I do enjoy the production on it. I think the um, 
I, th- I think this album sounds amazing. Um, and, and, and that was something I was able to glimmer some form of enjoyment out of. Yeah, I, I think I do enjoy listening to the album. It's one that, and I mean this in the most positive way, it is something I can just put on any time of the day, any day of the week, in the background while I'm working, with my headphones on, when I want a critic to listen, and I'll always have space for it because it, it I feel that it, it covers such a broad stroke of genres with, with the types of tracks that are in there when you've got Frank Delgado's electronic synth work mixed in with the guitar work of Steph. It's the first guitar, uh, first album that Chino plays guitar on as well. Um, right. And it was also the first album that Chino admits that he would write the lyrics from what I could best describe as like a fictional perspective. He would just write stories. They weren't necessarily grounded in real life. Um, exception to that is the track Knife Party, which the the story goes that I've heard is that they were on the tour bus and someone went into the kitchen and pulled all the knives out and they just started dancing around with knives. They had a knife party. Right. <laughs> a very, very obscure story to, that I heard uh, while researching this album. That sort of helps things make a little bit more sense because I actually meant to go back and, and bring you a few examples here, but I'll, I found a lot of the vocals just gibberish and yeah. nonsense, and I couldn't really get behind a lot of them. For example, Elite. The uh, you, I think you were you sort of had a point about um, Jacoby Dick, Jacoby Shaddix last week on how um, he can't sing or pronounce the word infest. Well, I don't think the the line "you'll bleed out of you'll be you'll bleed out of control" in Elite fits in that song at all. Like it's it, it the, constantly sort of trips over the middle of the of the of the sentence of 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 the line, and it yeah. throws me out of the song completely. Like it really, I just and it repeats so many times within the song that mm. it, it yeah like I I sort of had had issues there with um with some of the lyrics and and well. One of my main issues with Deftones is I don't like Chino Marino's vocals. It's uh, yeah, they're very present on any Deftones album. I, I think he's got a very unique vocal style. If I listen to an album with Chino on it, whether it is listening to Deftones, was it Crosses, Team Sleep, very much, you knew you were listening to Chino Marino. And if you don't like that type of vocals, if you don't like that droning sort of background mushy vocal then yeah you're going to struggle to get through an album like white pony where the vocals are very prominent i think so this was sort of the first time i'd really sat down and listened to white pony like i say i've I've, I've never been a massive fan so i never really gave the albums a chance now some people may say well how can you say you don't like them if you've never listened to them i mean obviously i've listened to them i've heard the singles i've heard my own summer i've heard changing the house of flies um what, what came first changing the house of flies or my own summer my own summer. That's on around the fur. Really, change changes on White Pony. So ah, oh, so right, yeah, so around the fur. Mm, wow, well, I'm surprised by that. But um, obviously, I've heard these singles, and none of the singles have engaged me enough to want to seek out their albums. So you know, from that opinion, from from the samples I've heard of their singles, which is the whole point of single releases, mm-hmm. I was not not a fan. So to really sort of sit down and 
for lack of a better word. I'll I'll try not to shit on them too much through this, but you know they've still they're still infinitely more successful musicians than I will ever be in my entire existence. <laughs> so they're doing something right. I wholeheartedly accept that. It's just not to my taste, and that's fine. But I, yeah, I just I just couldn't get the vocals, and I sort of felt a little bit like I got some Bjork vibes. I see. I love Bjork. I love experimental music. I really, really have. Anytime something comes on that really challenges my ears, I've I've always I don't know if if I listen to quite heavy music to say the least these days, mm-hmm. and I love listening to an album or a song that by the end of it I feel exhausted, my ears feel tired. I love that feeling of I've been challenged to listen to something. This song has really pushed my taste. It out of its comfort zone and into something that wow this is something and don't get me wrong there are times when i listen to just noise and it's like this is awful this isn't this is unlistenable dross i can't listen to that but there are times in this album it ticked some boxes with me from what i was listening to at the time so i'd been listening to things like apex twin square pusher and listening to bands like lincoln park and artists like Eminem you then come to Deftones and it was this sort of blending of of the different genres and different styles into one place that I felt they did a I I really liked what they achieved with it and it really made me think again on on how rock music needs to be perceived and and I think new metal did a good job of that as a whole as a as a genre push when it was trying to challenge the the mainstream rock and grunge of the time and your hair metals and you know your thrash metal scenes so i i think that this white pony is a a a brilliant example of an album that just captures a moment of music that i was listening to which is probably why i maybe forgive it more for its flaws than someone like yourself who doesn't enjoy it might what um what flaws do you sort of identify in it then? Because I can I can sit here all night and talk about how I'm not a massive fan of Chino Marino. I don't like his vocals. I, I struggled with the lyrics. There's a lot of repetition in these songs that I, I, I didn't enjoy. Like, you, I, I, you know, I've even written down to the point where like, is, is this kind of a pop album? Like, for me, each song almost seems to have like, it's it's one hook and they just, for me, just drive it into the ground and... and I didn't enjoy that that sort of, of repetition. But for you, where, where do you sort of identify flaws? I would say the pacing of the album's a little bit off for me. Um, okay. I think some of the, the, the... And that could be fixed just with a track layout. Um, some of the songs have... I think was you mentioned Elite. I feel like Elite is a song that belongs on a different album, if I'm being perfectly honest. It's so it is the heaviest song on the album by far. It fits with what Deftones were doing on Adrenaline. That is that if you've ever listened to Adrenaline, there's a song on there called Seven Words, and uh, that it just it could be part two of that song in my view. And it it took me. I I will be honest when if when this first came out, the album did take time for me to get into it. As a as a as a kid, it wasn't like I listened to it day one. I was like, "Oh, there we go. There's my life over. There's my life changed." It really did take some absorbing, and it, 
really took for one of my friends to point out um, Passenger. When that, when I heard that song, and as well as Digital Bath, I think I just got it. The the listening to the album so many times and not really taking much from it, but then listening to those two tracks specifically, are they, they are two my two favorite tracks on the album, and I was like, I could listen to those two on repeat and love it. But then you get into the other side of the album, you start listening. Oh, I'll listen to the track before, I'll listen to the track after, and, and it just starts growing out, and I really started to take on what it was. Um, my first encounter with Deftones was probably in 1998. So back in school, no, no pun intended, I <laughs> was <laughs> I got a... Something a about flipping backpacks and pencils and grabbing a notebook <laughs> or get a pen or something like that. Yep, yep. sorry, right. please continue. At, at, the beginning of, at the beginning of each term you were handed uh, a workbook you know this is this is your workbook for the next nine months or three terms or however long are you yep. about to tell us it's something about like you opened up a textbook and it was like the white pony or some or you or you know was it the was it the deftones logo and you were like what the fuck is this and it was not some, far off not far oh, off my word okay basically basically what had happened was you used to get your maths books or your textbooks and you would be told to go home and you had to back them to protect them because, you know, the school would reuse the books. And I got given a book that had been backed in Kerrang stickers. Of course it had. And those stickers had everything from Corn, Slipknot, Kitty, Tool, and there was a deft, there was a very, very prominent memory of it having that black and white Deftones sticker, that mm-hmm. logo. And this is me in 98, so I would have been maybe 12, 13 at that point. Yeah, 12. Yeah, 12. Uh, and it just had this effect where I was like, okay, who are these bands? Now, this this paired up with Napster. It was This This is what I was talking about, this melting pot of things going on. You had the, the accessibility to music, which was unheard of. Yeah, I had dial-up internet so it took like the best part of an hour to download a single song but it was free and yeah when you're 13 years old free is a very good price it wasn't free it was stolen i i told you i'd steal a house i mean i'd download a house um (laughs) (laughs) but anyway i had this book and it it became my sort of go-to if i was wanting to just look up something uh and download these completely legal artist supporting tracks so did you just did you just pick tick off the stickers on the back of this book and just be like right that's deftones now this is tool now this is kitty now this is etc yeah yeah no not 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 physically ticking i didn't i didn't like take a marker pen or anything and like highlight it or anything i, mentally I just ticked. Men- mentally mentally ticked it off in my head um so around that time um a friend of mine had shared with me his copies of Adrenaline and Around the Fur. And I was listening to them and enjoying them. And it got to a point where I think another friend who was also into this said, you need to get White Pony. So I don't know how long it had been out by this point. Uh, And he was like, what was the latest album out at that point? Um, And I went to HMV and I I bought White Pony for a lot of money. (laughs) I feel like I, I bring this up 
in multiple podcasts we talk about, but this was 16 or 17 pounds in 2000. I know we talk a lot about um, Napster and, you know, downloading stuff, etc. And we all did it. I did it too. Um, But you also keep on coming back to HMV. Like, was HMV your only music shop? No, no, far from it. It was just the one that had everything. It was the one you could go to. And... Okay, so it would cost me. There was a bus ticket involved, so you've got to you've got to start thinking about the whole economy of getting the bus to the metro centre or getting the bus into town, getting the thing you were hoping to get. So if you'd spent, well, I'm trying to recall, say it was about four pounds for a bus ticket. It wasn't cheap. It was, you know, you spent two or three pounds on a bus ticket to get to somewhere like Newcastle, and you went to the shop and they didn't have the thing you went for. How far away from Newcastle did you live? A good forty minutes, forty minutes to an hour on the bus. Right. Okay. Okay. That that explains. And, the and bus there were no trains. There was no trains for for where I lived. So, yeah. So so HMV was the one that was the most reliable, but also it was in it was the only music shop, the rely again reliable music shop in what's called the Metro Centre, which is a massive shopping centre mall for anyone listening in America which has every single type of shop in it, but there was only one shop that sold music, and that was HMV. Now, the Metro Centre was somewhere that my parents would go, and if they would go, then I would say, right, well, I'm going to HMV. You guys do what you want to do. We'll meet back here at this time. Bear in mind, this is also probably before I had a mobile phone, or around the time I would have got a mobile phone, come to think of it. And then you spent five hours in HMV going around everything. It's just seeing what was there. That that was that going going to HMV was a two story massive massive shop. You had everything in there: posters, t shirts, hoodies, movies, and and anyway, you'd save up your pocket money. I'd get a few quid a week, save it up. I had a paper round as well, and I would buy and I bought White Pony, and I remember it costing. I'm sure it was sixteen ninety nine. That's pretty steep. Really, really steep. Even like um, these days, that's steep. Exactly. And even, right, so in 2020, £17 is anywhere, is about £25. Mm-hmm. Now, I'd even begrudge paying £25 for a vinyl record of a, of a, of a recently released album. You know, if, I mean, if I was paying for a rarer one, fair enough, you're paying different prices. But when you're talking about an album that's just come out, yeah, £25 is a lot of money. Um, and it's, it's just bizarre how much we, I anyway, accepted that. And it really does, again, just, just show how much Napster was destined or bound to happen if shops were just taking the piss as much as they were really, come to think of it. Yeah. No, like it, it justifies why it's gone the way it has and how we have Spotify and your favorite title and. And I don't have title anymore. I don't have title anymore. You don't have title anymore. There's that that free uh, that free um, sample wear out, did it? Right. Yeah, I'm using a free sample of Deezer now. <laughs> oh my word! Is that is it's that just still it, lossless, lossyless. Flat. It, they have flax. They do have flax. Yes. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm also coming to the conclusion that I can't tell the difference between a flax and a 320 kilobyte high quality version. So I'll just stick with Spotify and they're going to release a high fi package 
later this year anyway, and we'll see how that goes. Um, but CD quality is important. I think we need to remember there are there are frequencies that we're not always going to get. Oh that, no, uh, there there is the um. You, you should have heard um my my first ever band's EP. Um, I, the the guy that mixed it wouldn't have done this, but at some point a version started kicking around that was just like ninety six ninety six k, and it was horrific. Oof. And I was oh, we nice. were just like I think someone had burned it, and we were going to try and get like the local club to play it. But then we listened to it in the car before we actually handed it in, and we were like, "We can't, we can't hand this in, like this. It's just jingle bells. Yeah. It's just jingle bells no, in the background." So that was that was that was disgusting. I remember having a low. I remember having a lower threshold while you talk about that, and we we talk about Napster. Seeing a song that was at ninety six, I was like, "I could get that in ten minutes or fifteen minutes." No, Whereas if I get if I get the hundred and ninety two one, it's going to take forty minutes. I only want to just see what it sounds like. And I've got some horrendous MP3s in still in my library today that I, I'm that sure I, you know, dread to think what they've ripped at. I'm sure I just stuck to 128. I I wasn't I wasn't yeah. the I wasn't poor enough to go for the 96, and I wasn't ex, like pre like I didn't have the time to wait for the 192s, so I just went for 128. But um, now you've totally just reminded me of the first MP, MP3 I ever downloaded, which was just from a random site. I think my neighbor suggested it to us because like he was he was older he was he was a grown man by this point he would have been in his 30s and uh, he was IT literate and savvy and stuff like that and I'm just like this little kid on AOL that you know doesn't know how to delete his history and um the uh, yeah he gave us his website and uh, the, I'm sure the first mp3 I ever downloaded was Sony I can't remember what my first mp3 was I remember what the first album was the first time I went and downloaded every song off an album. I remember that one. Who? Which? What? What was it? I can't remember what the album's called, but I remember the artist. It was Fozzy. <laughs> Who's like, Fozzy? Chris Jericho's band. Oh! Oh my God! Yeah. Okay. It was only ten tracks. I think it was. It was like one of their first. It was like the first Fozzy album. And I went to the lengths of like downloading the artwork and everything and making the CD and all these just. Hobbying stuff, I guess. Um, did Fozzy well, make it onto Minidisc? It probably didn't. I don't think it did. I was just about to bring up Minidisc because I remember the first, just since we're talking about quality, the first time someone mentioned sound quality to me was when we were talking about Minidisc. And he thought that Minidisc sounded too brittle, too like digitized and sterile. Uh, and my argument was always like, yeah, but I can listen. If I put it on LP2, I can fit like three albums on one disc. And this was before like MP3s were viable in my book. I remember my mm -hmm. friend getting the iPod Mini when that first came out, which was probably around the, around the Gen 3, Gen 4 time. So he got an iPod Mini and it held four gigabytes. And at the, even at the time, I was like, four gigabytes, that's like... Six, depend again, depending on what quality it's ripped at, it's about maybe a few dozen albums. Yeah, it's not an awful lot. You would have had about uh, what? Well, average three mega track, and then you had say ten songs an album. Yeah, three hundred so meg. So yeah, you talk. You're talking maybe you could probably squeeze fifteen to twenty albums. I was not prepared for that math. I don't know where I was going with it. I started to tail Never off. Right. It's not important. But 
I remember carrying around my mini disc player, which was smaller, had a better battery life, and I could fit two to three albums on a single mini disc. And I used to just carry just actually have mini discs just in my bag, just lying around because they were in cases. They were safe. You could just throw them around willy nilly, whatever you wanted to do. Do you remember the um, the MP3 players that were, you know, the shape of them essentially then became like USB sticks? You know, they were just that sort of, for lack of a better word, that tampon shaped. The iPod shuffle. I could not, I never owned one and I couldn't imagine shuffle. anything worse. No, this, than just, this isn't. What I'm referring to wasn't Apple at all. Like it was the sort of the 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 knockoff MP3 player that was still a valid MP3 player, but it was just it just looked like shit. I don't know. There was loads. There are so many nuggets out there that honestly, I I, I transitioned from Sony branded mini disc players to an iPod. I went mm-hmm. through, I think, three iPods. And then I got an iPhone and then it's been music on my iPhone. And then in the last seven, seven years, seven, maybe six years, it's been Spotify mm-hmm. has been my go-to for music on the go. Um, and having that, so going from listening to, you know, downloading one song on Napster, I remember downloading songs on Napster, ripping it to CD and playing it on a CD player and then, recording those onto mini disc and to where I am now where I'm just music on demand whenever I want whatever I want having this infinite jukebox in my pocket yeah it's awesome it's such a I don't know it it makes me wonder how the music we listen to is not as big as it is but then there's just so many different genres and stuff that I don't listen to that I'm tuned out of so I never notice I've um Never really been a big fan of what I would probably deem as pop music. Okay. Where did pop music come from? Well, it's just, I'm just thinking of like, when it's popular, that's when you get people like listening. I mean, how many how many Spotify users are there? Because what I've read Oops. is that metal listeners are the most loyal. So someone that listens to metal music is more likely to go back to that band, listen to that band, again listen to an album that gets released by that band whereas people that tend to listen to pop music just have one song maybe one album by one artist and that'll be it they won't explore that artist's repertoire they'll just stick with the stuff they know well that's because well in my opinion pop music is far more flippant like you can it's how it's manufactured, isn't it, really? Yeah, to, yeah, well, it's manufactured, and if anyone does that, they sell it, blah, blah. No, like, f- f- fair enough. Like, at the end of the day, music is a business. We all know music is a business, and you have to you have to generate interest, and you have to generate popularity, and you have to generate some, some form of income stroke revenue to continue that business. No band that is known today has not sold either records or tickets or whatever. Well, it's just a a fact of the industry that you're going to get stuff happening. And it's interesting that you've mentioned or alluded to uh, the idea of selling out, which, or compromising as, as it could be known uh, to suit a, uh, an agenda of a record company or a label. And that happened with white pony. 
Oh my god, thank you. We've got back to White Pony. I thought we were Specific. going. We were out no, in the no, wild, I got man. We, I got were, this. we were we were in the long grass. I didn't know how we were coming back to this. You've brought it back to White Pony. Kudos. Don't you worry, I'm I am fully on track here. I'm glad you're steering the ship. So with White Pony, it got released. It was out there. It was on the market. Maverick, the label, discovered that there wasn't really a lot of releasable tracks from it. You've alluded to the, the album not being very consumer-friendly. Would that be a fair comment to make on it? Yeah, probably. Really, the only single that officially got released worldwide was Change. Okay. Um, they did also release Digital Bath, but I think that was just as a video. It was never released as a as a single. So after listening through the, the album, Maverick wanted a song that was more in line with new metal, which was the fa- you know, very fashionable sound of the time. So the story that I've heard is that Maverick heard Pink Maggot, which is the last track on White Pony, mm-hmm. and pointed out that it's it's got a good hook in it, which is the, the back in school, like that, that line. So the, the band modified it very quickly. Uh, and Chino's quoted as saying, I'm going to show those fuckers how easy it is to create a hit single. And, well, Maverick loved it. They, they, they made the song back to school and the record label were like, that's exactly what we wanted. You've, you've gone and done it. So they re-released White Pony with Back to School on as track one. Jesus. It completely changed the the feeling of the album. The version I've got does not have Back to School on it, and I'm going to come to that in a minute. But they re-released the album. The album was out. you got to remember, the album was out there. It was already in the sh- on the store shelves, and Maverick made a, another version of it with Back to School as track one. And you, you've sort of got the bookend of Back to School and then Pink Maggot has that ending on it, I suppose you could say. But that is not how the album was ever envisaged to sound as as an album, as, as a piece of art. It's not as they intended. It's not the true vision of the... Uh, yeah, okay, I get you. Yeah, yeah, totally. So anyway, again, the, the, the band actually came out and said, fuck, we totally just compromised. And they know that some of the fans felt bad about it too. They always intended on it just being a standalone single and they do feel, and they they felt it ruined the overall aesthetic of of the album. Back to School got released as a single initially with with two live tracks, and then it got released as an EP with about another six live tracks on it. And it is just it is a very much an outlier of a song in Deftones library. And when someone like yourself thinks of Deftones, or someone who might not be as into White Pony as perhaps myself and some others. They think of back to school. When I think of back to school, I have this memory. Getting home, putting it on my CD player to put it onto minidisc, typing out the track names, and back to school was missing. Because it had been played on like... the So the version I've got must have been before they'd managed to stick back to school at the beginning, but it was already out on MTV2s and, and Kerrang! TVs and stuff. Yeah, or at least before the distribution got far enough that you then managed to, to purchase one of those one of those songs. So, despite this song being uh, 
a bit of a piss take, a bit of a fuck you to, to, to the label, a bit of a, right, if you want something commercial, we'll give you something commercial. That was still what drew you into the band. Oh, yeah. It's a banger of a song. For When I was 14, 15, that song was a banger. It was... I don't know. It had a good energy about it. It had good rhythm, and I like the the vibe of it. Um, now I fucking hate it. I actually can't stand that song, knowing what I know from its creation, but also it just it does just feel wrong. It doesn't fit the the mold that I want it to. I don't expect it to be on White Pony. And like I mentioned at the beginning, White Pony was a slow burn for me. It took a while to get into it. By the time I got into it. I accepted and understood that Back to School is not on this album and that I was fine with. And it wasn't until later on that I discovered that it was now on the album. And I was like, that doesn't work. And when listening to it on Spotify, it's track one, which makes little sense to me as, a, as an individual through my experience, because it I don't think it belongs there. It belongs as it's standalone as it was intended. No, it's, it's almost like it doesn't doesn't belong anywhere really like it is this answer to, to to the label but then i wonder how deftones feel about it these days because i wonder where they would be without it it's a good point i think that's a very very good thing to say that they they could well not have taken off the way they eventually did the, the thing to remember though is that this album was already charting now it actually charted with the knowledge that it leaked onto music sharing services and apparently the album had been downloaded over 200,000 times before it even went on sale. Wow. Um, In the UK, surprisingly, I think it did really well based on within the first, uh, I believe it was within a week. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not within a week, sorry. Um, That would be completely unrealistic. Uh, in the US, they sold 1.3 million, uh, so it's certified platinum. In the UK, it's certified gold, 132,000 sales. It got to number 13 on the UK album chart. Is that, in what sort of time frame is that, are we talking? Well, that would have been the week it was released. It got to number 13. I don't know about the 132,000. I've not got the, the figures on that. But yeah, it's uh, they the, the singles... They released Change in the House of Flies. That only got to number 53. Yeah. And Back to School got to UK number 35. So it entered the top 40 or is that just a rock track? That was top 40. That's UK top top 40, number 35. Yeah, I mean, I suppose I kind of feel bad for the band that they were put in that situation where, you know, their label, and and at the time there, there was no concept of crowdfunding. There was no, con, you know, independent would have been you get why bands went to labels back in the day because independent would have just been so much more difficult to, to, to try and achieve that range. you know. And, and they were put in that sort of corner where they were like, we need to make this a bit more commercial. You guys need to sort of uh, uh, focus on something here. So so that shit that they were put, put in in that position. But, you know, I, ironically, as much as I don't particularly like back to school either, for me, it's a bit of an easier listen because mm. I think it, you're right. It doesn't doesn't fit on White Pony. It, it doesn't really work with the rest of the album, but it, it, it's a bit it's a bit more up tempo. I think it's a 
yeah. maybe a bit more fun than, than the rest of the songs and maybe that it's that pop totally. element it's that commercialized element of like they made something that they whether it was their their true artistic intention or not like they they, they made something that people would enjoy not necessarily they would enjoy that but that people would enjoy and yeah there's 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 a bit of a groove there to it um but it's, it's shit totally. that they were yeah no, no, i get that what I find interesting, and this is the thing that I struggle to get into my head of why you don't enjoy them. I think me, me and you probably share a similar interest and enjoyment of a lot of ambient um, post-metal and post-rock. Would you agree? Yes. I f- this album, to me, is my introduction to that sort of style. Ooh. Really? I, I mean, just an introduction. If you've never you've got to put yourself back in your in your fourteen year old Etney's shoes, you are you've never heard anything like this before. You've you've listened to, you know, Limp Bizkit. You've listened to Metallica or whatever whatever your heavy music experience was, and then this comes along and it just altered my. It gave me that it opened my eyes to the idea of ambience and metal two things that as a kid i probably would never have ever considered i'm sorry just hit the mic there um two things i would never have like put together but this 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 did it for me and there is songs on this album that like digital bath really caught my attention that this is this is a very slow and and melodic and and sort of down down tempo song but it's still heavy. It's and it's something that I think as a as a as a young kid, it was my initial way of seeing that music can be like this. And then today, listening to bands, you know, in today's relevance, a lot of elements of Devil Soul to Soul, I think, have some the, the droning guitars, the the long, heavy, really tight riffs that they use. Um, certainly russian circles they've got certain elements of that in as well just just for the again just the drone and the the heaviness and i'm not saying it's i'm not saying it's an analog i'm not i'm not saying it's like for like not even close but it's an introduction to that mindset which if it and and i do think white pony was was my introduction into that ambience and post metal which I now listen to an awful lot more than many other genres today. Yeah, mm, okay. I that that's cool that this is this was where you found it, but I, I had a much different journey to that. And that's that that's that that is what it is. That that that, that that's um, how we we have sort of found the music we found and loved growing up. For me, um white pony would stand a lot better if it was an instrumental album which is sort of on track with what you're saying there like it you know it introduced you to a lot more uh ambient flavors and, and sounds and tones and stuff like that um I, i'm not gonna continually to, to shit on the album again but like for me a, a lot of the 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 pushback and a lot of what I cannot listen to on the album is Chino Marino and I just there's just something about the guy's vocals I cannot get behind um but when it comes I don't quite share your your point of view of of 
there. They have an ambient sound, but it certainly wasn't my path into sort of post-rock and, and prog um, metal, etc. Not prog metal, but you know what I mean. Um, I sort of, for me, I kind of started off with Isis. Isis the band. Not not ISIS the radical. <laughs> got it. Got it. Got you've got you've you've got to add that little addendum anytime well, they, you talk about ISIS the band these days. They they had to do it on Facebook because they were getting some real shit. But um, yeah, I, I sort of kicked off with ISIS a few years after what what this would be. You know, at, at fourteen fifteen, like we've as we've already sort of traversed. I was like a Linkin Park and Papa Roach fanboy. I was, you know, Limp Bizkit. I I didn't want to listen to Slipknot because they were too heavy. You know what I mean? Like I was. I was very much in my own sort of like perhaps ignorant space of like this is what's good and and that's that's not um and and yeah De- deftones was 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 never anything I could really get behind in saying that to be brutally honest there have been um deftone songs I have enjoyed for a long time I really loved be quiet and drive I think that was on the album before this that is that is off uh, around the phone. I really loved "Be Quiet and Drive." Um, I've I've since gone back and cannot stomach it. Um, it's just really, <laughs> it's, it's it's not 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 something I can particularly enjoy anymore. If I was going to recommend, if I was if there was someone today who's never listened to Deftones or who has maybe dabbled but never really got into an album, I probably wouldn't say "White Pony" as a starting ground by any means. I would probably say either go either side go to um around the fur or go to the self-titled probably leaning more towards the self-titled i think the self-titled is one of the most accessible deftones albums um for its just for its production and its sound and its recording qualities it's got uh the, the the lead track of that was minerva and i know there's that, that that is one of the songs that is largely accepted as a very palatable Deftone song, perhaps. Yeah, Minerva sort of stands. I, I think it doesn't have a lot of chi on it. To be fair, it is probably more along the lines of what you're saying of having that sort of post rock ambient sound. It it's it's got though that appeal to it, uh, and I could probably sit back and listen to Minerva today. I'm sure there's other Deftone songs I could sit back and listen to. Like I'm saying. White Pony would be great for me if it was an instrumental. There's there's just not a lot of good I can take from cheese vocals on this album. Um, That's fair. There's what is it? Is then there's it? But there's other bands though. The, the 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 other thing to look at is that outside of Deftones, where where do they stand in today's music? They're still making music. So they made an album last year. One of my favorites, Ohms. Brilliant album. Absolutely knocked out of the park. And I love that I could listen to a Deftones album made last year and a Deftones album made 20 years ago and they're, they're cohesive they're, they've not compromised again shall we say to try and find new fans they, they're, they're doing what they do best and they've continued to do it well um, yeah there's been bumps in the road Saturday Night Rest Gore not the, not my favourites not terrible by any means but they're just a bit bland but then there's albums like Diamond Eyes and um, and ohms which really stand out that they can still crack out a crack an album when they when they put their minds to it. Um, but then newer newer artists, I think like Loathe, they couldn't exist without Deftones. Considering I very much enjoy Loathe, I totally see where you're coming from. They they are 
the modern if if loathe can do what deftones have done being consistent making good solid hard alternative metal records they could go they could go the distance i hope i i do hope to hear more from loathe uh, as as the years go on but they they they're the closest i can probably pick to say if you're a fan of loathe and you've not heard deftones please go listen to deftones start with the self-titled which came after white pony and then take a step back to adrenaline and around the fur and then take white pony in and and you know find find your place for yourself they've got such a, a wide um library of albums that it's it's very but it's a lot of it's strong so it's very hard to miss it's kind of it, it's kind of how i was actually introduced to dream theater um okay you, you know <laughs> There's a bad there's, there, now. I'm not. I'm not going to shit on Dream Theater because I have not heard enough by Dream Theater to have an opinion, other than knowing that they just make really long progressive metal songs. Yeah. So this is this is this is a total curveball away from uh, Loathe and, and Deftones, but just how you're talking about like, you know, there is more accessible material or potentially more accessible material, and you might want to start there and stuff like that. When I was introduced to um, uh, Dream Theater, okay. it was thank you. It was I think Train of Thought. They were like, this is their most metally kind of new metal sort of heavier sounding album at this moment in time. I think I got onto Dream Theater around about the time Octavarium came out. So it was Train of Thought um, and then Octavarium came out, which I think is also very accessible. But then you go back to Dream Theater back in the day and, the you know, there's... you The, the, the camp is way more, like relevant or, or or way more in the sound and way more in your face and it, they come in and out of that sort of sound and uh or that you know like campy prog metal sort of just insane arrangements and and sweet picks or or bass taps or whatever it is they're, they're doing but um yeah no i can appreciate that there are levels of 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 accessibility within deftones and maybe one day i'll go to deftones and give them a chance it's probably never going to happen because if i've not done it by now i'm probably not going to do it anytime <laughs> no, no i don't think I don't, it's not too it's never too late to start and especially with the 20th anniversary so something i've discovered in the the two episodes that i've i've led with with both lincoln park's hybrid theory and with white pony both albums have got 20th anniversary editions so this version of white pony that's on spotify now is thankfully missing back to school. All right. So they've got their moment, but it's uh, it's been um, referred to. There's a version on it that's referred to as Black Stallion, you know, the opposite of White Pony, and it's basically the full album remixed by various artists. Now the artists you've got on here range from DJ Shadow, Mike Shinoda, really, Robert Smith. Oh my god. Uh, and Square Pusher does a fine does the final mix of Pink Maggot, and it's an amazing it's an amazing listen. I would highly recommend even even if so going on going on to your your favorite music streaming service, look up the White Pony twentieth anniversary deluxe edition. It is a double album effectively. It came out at the end of twenty twenty in December, and it is twenty two tracks that I could listen to on repeat. It's the full version of White Pony as originally intended by the band followed by 
followed by a further 11 tracks of remixes. Now, I love an album that does remixes like this, where they do one one song each, and they do it in order of the original album. I really dig that. I love when albums do that because it 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 gives it gives that fre- it gives a freshness of of the the things they've changed, but it has a familiarity of of what you're expecting. So you know when listening to that, I want uh, tracks like Digital Bath to run into Elite, Elite to run into RX Queen, um, Korea to run into Passenger. Uh, that that's what my expectation is when I listen to White Pony. I listen to it in order and I want to hear it in the order it was intended. Doing that as a remix helps me understand it and take it in a bit better because I know what's to come next. Um, there are um, examples of where it doesn't happen and I get a bit. Yeah, it's funny that you're sort of referring to Mike Shinoda there because I have a, a memory, could be wrong, I don't know, um, where I, I think this is what sort of got my back up against Deftones and this is sort of where I maybe turned on them and this could be the, the, the sort of pinpoint in history where i said oh would well, you know what fuck you and it was it was an interview again similar to where i'd seen jacoby shaddix from from papa roach it was probably kerrang or mtv2 or something and uh chino was a bit like um sort of talking shit about our boys lincoln park and he was sort of saying oh yeah they've, they've just ripped off our songs they've, they've, they've just ripped us off i think at the time it was I understood it to be he compared one step closer to my own summer, but I think I mm. gave it I gave it a quick Google while we were while we were talking about it, and it might have been down to oh, a place for my head being being close, or he's he's comparing Chester to to ripping off Chino on a place for my head, and that from my perspective is absolute fucking horseshit. Like I don't, I don't think there's anything similar between Deftones and, and Lincoln Park, and this is what I'm saying when I, you know, in in the day, this is where I was a bit naive and a bit ignorant to, to other music, and perhaps a bit too protective of the stuff I liked. So if this guy was talking shit about Lincoln Park, well, I instantly didn't like him because it's like, well, no, fuck you, because because Lincoln Park are amazing, man. Lincoln Park are the fucking best band ever. So it's 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 interesting to hear that they've. They've obviously, you know, reconciled, and now Mike has gone yeah. and done a, a remix on one of their albums. I think they can take it that they would have been young artists just out in it in the world in two thousands. It would have been a bit more cutthroat at the time. Um, I think they've they you know might have just been one of those water off a duck's back type things. Don't know, not Mike. Don't know what his decision was. It wasn't water but off he's, of he's clearly back. forgiven. Yeah, clearly, yeah. Clearly, they're more forgiving than you are in this matter. I tell you what, we are we are lucking out that at the time that we have chosen to start this podcast, everyone is doing a twentieth anniversary. Ah, oh, can't wait, can't wait to to see what else is going to come out over the next few years. I mean, it has been that so been a the last twenty years have been quite quite the formative ones of my life, shall we say? And uh, I think that going going back over these old albums has been a, a good a good experience. Um, just the last one I was just going to bring up was just seeing Deftones live. I've I've only seen them live once. Okay, where was? Uh, I was at the SEC. Um, they've dropped a C now, by the way. Have so they? it was just yeah, it's just the SEC. I'm sure. I leave Scotland for two years and this happens. Jesus. This was this was in 2017. They played with AFI. Wow! Blast from the past. 
Yeah, AFI were were fine. They they played the one song that I know and like, and then was it we, Phoenix Rising or the something? No, not even. It's the Sing the Sorrow, off the album Sing the Sorrow. Nah, not ringing any bells. Yeah, never mind. We'll talk about it one day in the singles collection, no doubt. The the, uh, the set was brilliant. This was just after they'd released Gore, which again didn't hasn't really resonated massively with me. But the set, I remember having a really good variety of, of songs through it and being able to recognise the songs that were from the, the earlier earlier set of albums right through to the, to the latest. And I like it when a band does that live. I was impressed by the, the, the quality of the sound. I, I did doubt, actually, there was a, before I saw them, I thought, can Chino pull this off live? Can he do that, that vocal style? And yeah, he did. Well, yeah, that that's kind of what sort of I suppose my concern is not not sound like a broken record and, and keep ha- like hacking on about the guy, but we, how did his we've, vocals estab- trans- we've established that you don't like Chino? Thanks. Um, <laughs> where where how did his vocals transfer over? And 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 you're you're saying pretty well. They came off perfect, perfectly fine, perfectly serviceable, and the sound that they had and in, in the on the stage, I've I've probably seen maybe a good maybe half a dozen, dozen bands on that stage. And it's if anyone's ever been to, to the, the SEC in Scotland, it's basically a metal box. So it it doesn't, I don't think it treats artists very well when they perform live on that stage. And it sounded great. Was it the SECC, like Hall 4, or was it the Hydro? It was Hall 4. Right, yeah, Hall 4 was ruthless and unforgiving. It was a massive open space to the point where they had to have curtains at the back to sort of try and bring the noise in a little bit and just not have it bouncing off the back of like the sheet metal that was the exterior of the building. Yeah, it was yeah. ruthless. So the first time I ever went to the, the SEC, I think it was Blink-182, and it was fucking awful. Actually, yeah. one of the worst sounding gigs I've possibly paid money for. Um, but then, and I was so that I was already apprehensive. I was apprehensive that a Deftones going to be able to pull this off. I've never seen them live. Am am I going to be disappointed? Do I want to be? I don't want to be disappointed. I don't want this this band tarnished. And the the opposite opposite was true. I suppose if they if if you know they've, they've been around what's what nineteen ninety eight. 1988 Sorry, 19, was when they formed. Yeah, I meant to say 88. They've been around since 88. They've done, like, what, seven, eight studio albums. They're gonna have, like, their tour rig pretty much down by now. Like, and that's, that's that'll be credit to them that they've, they've, they've developed to that and, and, and know a venue that is essentially an echo chamber. Well, this is how we need to sound to, to complement this venue. So, good on them. Yeah, totally. So, that's been my experience of Deftones and White Pony. Um, I hope that that's been informative and somewhat entertaining. It's kind of been interesting because I think this is this is our first sort of, I mean, podcast number three, but this is our first effort of like, I, I have no recollection of this album. I have no memories of it. I, I didn't listen to this when, 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 when we were younger and... and I have no affiliation on that level with it, so it's 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 cool to hear hear your understanding of it, and and I get it. Like I, like I said at the very beginning, I, I don't know why I'm one of the only people that, that don't like this band. Clearly, I'm missing something. Maybe he shouldn't talk shit about Chester Bennington in in two thousand and whatever. But uh, yeah, no man, that that that, that was cool, and uh, 
I, I, I suppose I, I still I do get it. Good. I'm glad you get it. That's important. And to those of you listening, uh, I hope that uh, I hope that we've maybe given you something to think about and go to listen to the 20th anniversary or go and listen to one of the other bands we talked about, Loathe, uh, one of the really promising bands that have come about that have that sound. Yeah, like at me, at me at social media as to as to or or you know um, at AOGB Pod cast aogb pod aogb podcast yeah come give us a shout come say hello tell me why i'm wrong about deftones because <laughs> that's fine that's your opinion you can you can tell me i'm wrong but uh, at the same time you're wrong <laughs> well that'll be good that'll be some fun interactions that we could have, we have to but uh next week is going to be keith is going to be taking us through an album keith would you like to tell our listeners what you'll be what you'll be doing yeah, had a thought about this. Obviously, had to think about it. And I was unsure which way to go, but I am going to go with Significant Other. Very good. This probably predates Infest Hybrid Theory a little bit for me. This was maybe my very first album uh, of sort of alternative music that I, I really kind of got into. That was really something my parents would have hated. And um, I, I think everything... As much as we sort of said in the first episode with Hybrid Theory that that was a gateway drug, and it absolutely was. It, it, it kind of kept kept the, 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 the wheel turning, but I think that first hit might have been significant other. So let's let's go back and see what we can remember about that album. Yeah, I'm looking forward to listening to that and having a, having a, a bit of nostalgia trip on that one. I'm apprehensive. But uh, yeah. Are you really? Okay, interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit apprehensive. I have sort of been in and out of of that album over the years and it has not gone let's say it's just maybe not gone how i expected it i've kind of gone back and been a bit like ooh, was that did i enjoy well, that well let's let's give it a, let's give it a good good listen some critical listening and we'll put some uh put some thoughts on the microphone next week i can't wait but uh, i'm 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 cautious <laughs> so me too it's gonna to be it's gonna be an interesting one but let's uh let's not keep on talking for an hour and a half and uh let's let's say our goodbyes let's, let's wrap it up so everyone thank you very much for listening uh you have been listening to alive or just blethering head on over to our instagram and twitter at aogb podcast for all our latest updates uh next time on alive or just blethering keith is going to be taking us through Significant Other by Limp Bizkit. Thank you very much for listening. Good night.